Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. People often wonder how they're going to survive winter. Survive? Winter is meant to be savored. If you've been merely surviving, come let us show you how it's done. The right way to winter is closer than you think in the Petoskey area of Michigan. What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. What up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome back to the Brothers Brandt podcast. Episode 9 was spectacular, featuring Ricky B going to the University of Alabama. Roll Tide Roll. Definitely check it out. Here we got episode 10. It's just flying by, Rick. Episode 10. We're already here. So Double digits. Double digits. It's really happening. Episode 10, breaking the four-minute mile, featuring Timmy Gorman. Now, for those of you that don't know Timmy Gorman, he's a dear friend of ours. He's a dear friend of the pod. We've known him since he was almost in diapers. Grew up in the same area, Monmouth County, New Jersey, Little Silver, New Jersey. I don't know what they're putting in the water in Little Silver, but Timmy Gorman had it and Shane McCarthy had it. And I don't know where we left out, Rick, but they're just crushing these, these sports endeavors. They're Tim- doing much better than we are. Much better. <laughs> Tim Gorman just he broke the four minute mile running at Oregon we're gonna get into that just to give you an idea he's the 484th person in USA history 
to break the four-minute mile. He was a standout track star at CBA Christian Brothers Academy. And now he is in training for the Tokyo Olympics, which look like it's going to be 2021. And we're definitely going to dive in on those questions. But Timmy, welcome to the pod. Rick, Rob, what an honor to be on the Brothers Brand podcast. It is all ours. We are happy you are here. We couldn't be more appreciative of your time. We know how busy you are. We hope you're staying safe during the quarantine and excited to learn more about your journey and share it with all the podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for having me. I, I, I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. So let's dive right in. Timmy, how did it all start with track and cross country, you know, where, where did this all start? Yeah. Um, well, Markham middle school, our alma mater, our shared alma mater. Of course. I, of course I did track there, spring track in eighth grade. Um, but I was a high jumper at that point. Um, a pretty bad high jumper and an 800 meter runner. Um, both my brothers did track at CBA and my older brother Kyle was a pole vaulter and Evan threw discus, I think for a year in last, but I would, uh, I would go to their track meets as a little guy and watch them race. And when I went into CBA, I remember having gone with my dad to a couple CBA track meets and he had this sort of unconditional respect for the, uh, the guys on the cross country team. He didn't know anything about cross country. He didn't run. Um, but I remember one time he saw this guy running uh, at a meet and he said, Oh, he runs for CBA. When, when those guys aren't running, they're out running. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. I want to be a part of that. So I joined up, uh, you know, ninth grade cross country wasn't that good. Uh, oh yeah. At CBA, they have all the freshmen run a mile 1.2 miles, like the first week of, of freshman year. And if you're in the top 50 or something, they hand you a, a cross-country sign-up form. I think I was 30th or 29th or something like that. So <laughs> I, <laughs> made the cut. I, I, yeah, I barely made the cut. I mean, I'm sure if I look, if I could see myself back then, I was probably walking by the soccer fields. You know, I was back with the fact. <laughs> And let me, let me just interject there, Timmy, because I want our listeners to know uh, the roots of Christian Brothers Academy when it comes to cross country. Um, guys, so there's something called a dual meet for cross country and, it's, and track, and it's when just one high school competes against another high school. So it's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, competition. And Christian Brothers Academy, as it stands right now, has never lost a dual meet in cross country since 1972 that's pretty that's, good that's that's near and on 50 years right there yeah. is, that, is that right timmy yeah that's right it's uh quite a program it's still to this day i mean i i graduated in 2012 and it's still one of the best uh, high school cross country teams in the nation every year fantastic yeah. I love it. I love it. So, all right. So go, so, so walk us through cross country and, uh, and, and your indoor track there. Yeah. Um, right. I did cross country, but I, I started out pretty bad, but by the end of the season, I was one, I was a pretty good freshman. I was one of the seven best freshmen and it's sort of, you, you might start with like 25 freshmen coming out for the team and, it, and then it winnows down. Uh, and 
if you're if you're pretty good, if you're one of the top ten guys, they let you come back for indoor track. Um, but it wasn't really until my my freshman spring when I really committed to running. I remember I tried out for the golf team my freshman spring, trying desperately to get away from running, um, and I didn't make the cut. <laughs> we could just talk about that if Rick wants to. I know it's I know it's your thing. Listen, I've got a golf passion for sure, but this is all about you, Timmy. I want to learn more about track and cross country and your journey to the top. Yeah. Well, when I didn't make the golf team, that was pretty much the last nail in the coffin. I was stuck with running at that point. But I think as it is with a lot of people who learn to love running in high school, you, you first love your teammates and they kind of make it bearable and and they make it fun to go to practice and then you learn to love racing and eventually you might learn to love the training and once you have those latter two things then I think that's all it takes to be to be great mm. but at that point in my life I just like my teammates I like my friends and I it was still just a, a mid-packer in fact the whole my whole time at CBI I would never say I was the best guy on my team and, even graduate. and you know it's I love that you brought that up to me because you know you broke the four minute mile. That's the biggest deal in, in yeah. my opinion, in running like that is insane. That is the biggest milestone. People never thought it was humanly possible to do it. And you're one of a very select few people to ever have done it in your entire life or in the world, which is amazing. So, and the yeah. fact that you're saying, you know, at CBA, you were a middle of the pack guy just gives a lot of hope to other runners out there and, and youngsters out there in high school to just keep fighting and keep grinding it out. Totally. And I, I, I'm the only guy who's graduated from CBA to break four in the mile and in the mile, the fastest CBA alum. Um, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it w that made it actually really special when I did it. Uh, but we'll get to that. But yeah, I mean, some people are just later bloomers. Right. So, so you're, so let's walk through your, uh, I just want to highlight your mile times and then I want to talk about the national championship. Uh, cross country. So real quick, what were your mile times like your freshman, uh, sophomore, junior, senior year? And then I want to dive into this national championship you were a part of in high school. Yeah, sure. So uh, progressed. I progressed. My best as a freshman was 440 in the mile, which is pretty, I was pretty, that's pretty good. Um, I was probably in the top 15 in New Jersey, you know, among freshmen. Um, and then I was 426 as a sophomore, 417 as a junior. And that's the time that got me recruited uh, to college. And then 412 as a senior. Wow, Timmy, I love the progression there. Just the dedication, shaving off time and getting yeah. better each year. That's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah, and the leaps get a little smaller to the point now where uh, <laughs> I'm fighting for tenths of a second. Yeah. <laughs> my God. Oh my gosh. You gotta you gotta you might want to shave your head. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right if I'm, i got long hair right now i don't know if you guys knew that dude you got some lettuce got some flow going you got to get more aerodynamic i know you know a lot of runners shave their legs actually but i think it's a vanity thing <laughs> <laughs> we all won't right. go there on this pod <laughs> not on this <laughs> podcast all right so national championships senior year right. fall cross country talk about it timmy yeah, so Nike hosts this meet. Very cool. I think they started it in like 04, uh, where they hold regional meets around the country and all the high school cross country teams come out. And the top two teams, there are nine regions, the top two teams from each region 
um, get flown out on Nike's dime to Portland to race in this national championship is totally extravagant meat. Uh, they treat you so well. They give you all kinds of free stuff. And uh, CBA had never won it. They have not won it since. Uh, but my senior year, we were the class to to win that meet. Um, and that that was, I mean, maybe to this day, could be the highlight of my career because you're just out there with your best friends on this mind blowing trip, and then like to win the thing, you know, it's really the culmination of a lot of hard work. And how long is that race? That's a 5K. That's what high school runners race on uh, cross country. They used to run it on the inside of a horse track. Um, that's where we ran it and it, they would hose it down. So it was like extra muddy and it's Portland in December. So it's already muddy. Oh gosh. And, yeah. It was an epic race. They would put hay bales. You had to leap over. Um, <laughs> now, fall on the hay bales. Oh yeah. People would fall all the time. There are always epic pictures of like people with faces full of mud and blood mixed with mud. Cause you've got these three quarter inch spikes in your shoes. So somebody's getting clipped and there's blood everywhere oh gosh wow yeah. and timmy now you're having all this success out there i mean we're not gonna jump too far ahead in this podcast but i mean now thinking about it the state of oregon has really treated you well yeah uh that's very true well i mean nike is the cause of that they um pump a ton of money into the sport of track and field and uh, of course, you guys know that the University of Oregon was founded by Phil Knight at, or, or I'm sorry, Nike was founded at the University of Oregon by Phil Knight. That's right. Yeah. And, and we know you later made a stop there. But before you got back out to Oregon, you ended up going to college at Dartmouth in the Ivy League, right? Yes, that's right. Um, I loved Dartmouth. As soon as I saw it, I knew I wanted to go there. But I told, I've told you guys the story before that I didn't know anything about colleges, uh, but I went to Duke and I visited Duke um, when I was in North Carolina and talked to the coach when I was a junior. And he basically said to me, oh, you should be looking at pretty much us in the Ivy League, you know, based on your, your credentials. And that's, I, w I was like, wait, what? <laughs> the Ivy League? <laughs> so I think he pretty much convinced me not to go to Duke there because I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to go to Dartmouth. Yeah, <laughs> Ivy Leagues, definitely. <laughs> But, Sounded but, nice. you, but you couldn't go to Princeton, right? Because your buddy was there. Right. Uh, yeah, I, um, I liked Princeton, but my best friend from the grade above me, Maz, went to Princeton. And I remember it was sort of like, well, I can't really go there. So I remember I looked at the Ivy League cross-country championship meet the year I was, I was being recruited, and Princeton won it, but Dartmouth came in second. So I was like, well, if I can't go to Princeton, you, know, you might as well go to the second best one. <laughs> yeah. so, so rick why don't you ask timmy a little a couple of questions about dartmouth yeah so dartmouth all of a sudden you know one of the best schools in the ivy league and you chose that school for a variety of reasons what did you you know when you got to campus freshman year what was your feeling like how were the coaches mm -hmm. just getting acclimated to a high level program i think our listeners out there would love to know what it's the What's the transition like from high school to college? Yeah, interestingly, um, well, I think what a lot of people find um, who go to college is it's completely different. For one thing, it's just far more individualistic. 
you know, when, when I was at CBA, when we were doing everything together and pretty much, and pretty much everything the CBA coaches told us to do was at the edge of my ability range. If you catch my meaning, like it was very hard. Um, I was always getting dropped. I was always tired. Uh, they were training us pretty hard. And I got to Dartmouth and what I found was uh, it's a non-scholarship school. It's a lot of walk-ons on the team. And the coach, it was much more hands-off. Um, I remember complaining about it at the time. I, I remember I came back to CBA and I was saying, oh, the coach, like I was partying too much, getting sick all the time. And I was like, I'm so pissed. The coach doesn't tell me to stop doing this stuff. And then the CBA coaches were like, Tim, he's treating you like an adult you know, you should just act like an adult. And that really flipped the switch for me. Um, where then I, I, I sort of learned by my sophomore year at Dartmouth, how to motivate myself intrinsically and how to like, how to work hard. Um, what an important lesson to learn, especially early in your college career. Some people unfortunately get through college and some people get through adulthood and they still don't learn how those skills are so important but you you got it early on and and Dartmouth's not an easy school to to really set aside the uh, drinks and and get the academics and athletics done I mean aren't they aren't they known for having founded beer pong yes exactly uh, beer pong is the only drinking game and, and they we play with uh, paddles there um it, it, it is fiercely competitive. I mean, <laughs> isn't the yeah. ma Tim? Isn't the mascot of Dartmouth a keg? Yes, it is. Keggy the keg. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in hindsight, it was yeah. There was maybe too much drinking in that culture. And I, I and I heard there was a naked mile. Oh wow! This we might get Dartmouth in trouble for hazing. <laughs> oh my, oh my. <laughs> um you know we did there i had heard there was a naked mile but my freshman year we we didn't do it um because we the the cross-country team was under investigation for hazing so i never ran a naked mile but i have heard that it existed all right wow. sounds Ooh. like it was good timing but let's move on let's yeah let's <laughs> yeah. Well, um yeah well, i could say that like I learned how to work hard, but I still had no idea what I was doing. I was, I, I basically, my sophomore year at Dartmouth just started running as hard as I could, as much as I could. Um, and that works for a while. I got into good shape and I ran 401 for the mile as a sophomore, which wow. was, yeah, a huge improvement. Um, but, but that led to some injuries, didn't it? It did. Yeah, that, that kind of training is unsustainable. So my junior year, I got a stress injury in my foot um, because, well, prior to that, when I was a young guy, like you, you train hard and eventually you get tired and you can't train hard anymore. But once I matured and I, I got more man muscle, you might say, then I could just train so hard that my bones would break. And I figured that out the hard way. What so, happened? Was it like, uh, like feet or ankles or legs where you yeah, were? It was a small bone in my foot. I was running like 90 miles a week, just running as fast as I could every day. And I was in the middle of a very hard 12 mile run. And I, my foot started to hurt. I thought my shoes were tied too tight. I untied my shoes, it still hurt. And I was like, eh, maybe I'll give up on this run. And by the time I got home, I couldn't walk. And yeah, it was a, a 
Oh my gosh. Bummer. And you red you redshirted, was it a year because of the injury? That's right. So I got a year of eligibility back for that. And that's what allowed me to go to Oregon for my fifth year. Okay. So you get through Dartmouth and then you've got one year of eligibility remaining and you started saying to yourself, Hey, I want to look around. I want to uh, maybe run one more season and who helped you? How did you find the university of Oregon, which I'll get into in a minute, but just is the Mecca of the running world. Yeah. I was very lucky that there's this sort of pseudo pipeline or there was at least between the Ivy League and the University of Oregon. Um, Basically, the Ivy League doesn't let you take a fifth year because they want you to graduate in four years. So a lot of Ivy League guys will look to bigger programs for a fifth year. Guys go to Arizona State, Florida State. Um, But I had known a guy two years older than me at Dartmouth who went to Oregon, um, put in a good word for me uh, with the coach. And... um, so I looked, I mean, I looked at a couple of schools. I looked at Stanford, Villanova, and Oregon. Those are all great running schools. And but, academically. Yeah, and academically. But I, you know, I honestly, I took a visit to Villanova and I was like, this seems really similar to Dartmouth. This is not what I'm looking for. I, I've told you guys, my dad had this phrase he used to say, um, it, actually he used it when he was talking about laying up in a golf shot. He would say, uh, we didn't come to Africa to hunt duck. <laughs> which means go for it right don't lay up and that that was the attitude I took with my fifth year of uh if you're going to take a fifth year you go to Oregon because as you guys know Oregon is the mecca of track and field yeah so Nike is headquartered there which is the largest running apparel company in the world and they are just known so much in the running community as the premier choice, the premier brand, and their headquarters are there. Rob and I have had the privilege of touring their what is seems like a college campus and all the R&D that goes into their science and their equipment. And so Nike's headquartered there. The founder, like you mentioned earlier, Phil Knight of Nike was an Oregon grad and has basically teamed up with the university to create the most premier training facilities for all sports. And it is just the perfect place for a small select few athletes to be. It's like unreal. And I couldn't believe when I heard the news you were going there years ago, I was so happy for you, Timmy. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. My, the 401 mile I ran as a sophomore sort of got me in the door and then uh, they flew me out to look at the school and, and as soon as they, there's a little airport in Eugene and when you get off the plane in every terminal it says welcome to Tracktown USA <laughs> <laughs> which is just epic yeah that and, is so cool yeah as soon as I saw the place I knew I wanted to go there <laughs> all right so talk talk about Oregon talk about your time there what elevated it and then let's get into this four minute mile bro yeah, so Oregon was a completely uh, different ball game in terms of the training we would do. I mean, it took it took me three months to just get used to the lifting uh, that we would do, like get my body used to it. I was just tired all the time. Uh, and the fall, the cross country season is not taken as seriously. So it's fall, fall is cross country. Track doesn't start till the winter and then the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so all fall was basically like, 
just learning all these new ways to lift mobility drills stretching um and i watched my body transform i mean i truly could see a difference and then yeah indoor track um i can remember my first workout uh in january back from christmas break uh was harder than any workout on the track that i had ever done at dartmouth i remember going up to my coach and telling him that like fast like faster times and more volume uh yeah so he's prepping you he's grinding working hard you know you're just pedal to the metal there and and what happens come the season tell us give us the four minute tell us when you broke that we want to hear all about it yeah well at this point i had been a 401 miler for um three years and it, the way I see it, when people ask you your mile time, or when I tell them I run co- in college, I run the mile, they ask me, they, they pretty much listen to the first number and then they, they kind of stop listening. So like, I would say 401 and a lot of people are like, wow, you're sub five, that's so great. Right, uh, which among runners is sort of like a joke. But if you say three is your first number, I mean, you're a God, so wow. like, I, I had this totally frustrating personal best for three years. All I had thought about was how was I, how was I going to break four? I mean, so this is years in the making. And then what it comes down to is you're doing everything, right? I was lifting at Dartmouth. I was stretching. I was getting massages, ice baths. I was obviously doing all the running I needed to do. But like, I mean, you got to think those two seconds to get under four is is what one percent uh of uh of the time you know in a four four oh one mile so you just have to do all those things one percent better is what it comes down to that's sort of what oregon taught me um so so tell me game game day you show up it's 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 game time you're ready to you know just come out of the blocks and did you do anything different that day? Did it, was anything, you know, did you try something new or was it just same old routine and, you know, let's see how this thing works out? Yeah. Well, I, so I opened up my season at the end of January. That was my first mile race. And right off the bat, I ran the fastest mile of my life. I think it was like 401.2 or something like that. And usually the first race of your season is just a rust buster kind of getting into the groove. So I knew at that point, if I could run 401 to open up my season, I was pretty freaking good. And that race also got me into this race in uh, Seattle is where I broke four with, you know, just one of the best fields you could assemble in the country that with me was the flag bearer for the 2008 Olympic team, a guy named Lopez Lamont, um, another guy named Evan Jager, who, uh, is the American record holder in the steeplechase and uh, an Olympic medalist. Um, and then me, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, was, I remember texting the, the night before the race, you, you get to see who you're racing against. The heat sheets come out. And I remember I texted it, uh, the heat sheet to my high school coach, Chris Bennett. And he texted me back. This is what you train for to get into this race. Wow. Cause like, yeah, the better field you have, I mean, the better you're going to run. So uh, that I, I knew, I, I knew, I mean, you, you plan your season months in, in advance. I knew if I was going to break four, this was going to be my best opportunity. 
And so I went into it, I mean, I went into it fired up. You can, I'm, uh, so the gun goes off and I'm the first guy off the line. Um, and I tuck in right behind the pace setter and call him a rabbit. The rabbit takes us through halfway, a half mile about, and, uh, and then drops out. And so I was right behind him. So then I was in first. And I remember at the time being pissed because I was with all these professionals and I was like, these guys get paid to run and they're like making me go out and take the pace because it's hard to push the pace from the front. You, you got to be, I've heard it takes as much as 8% more energy to lead than to follow in a race. Wow. And you're going fast. Yeah. So at the time I was pissed, but I was so fired up. I remember like hammering that, that third 400 meter, a mile's broken up into, into three 400 meter segments each one 60 seconds if you're trying to run four minutes wow so that he, he dropped out at halfway and I led for 400 meters and I pushed it kept it honest and I remember I saw the clock at 1200 meters um and it was under three minutes I don't remember the exact time but it was like 258 259 something like that and so if you're at 1,200 meters and you see 258, 259, you know you have an opportunity to break four. And there's just nothing more exciting than that. Um, so, I, I mean, from there, it's just gutting it out. It's just like maintaining good form, right? That's what you lift for. That's what you do hurdles for because your body is trying so hard to make you stop. Uh, you like <laughs> yeah. my, my hands are sweating right now i feel like i'm a part of the race <laughs> yeah dude like were you guys like when you're running that close with these competitive racers is there like a little like elbow bumping is it like oh, how, yeah. how, how tight is it walk me through that in a middle distance race um you, you i like to say you can make one mistake tactically that's about all you have you cannot make two mistakes. Otherwise, I mean, you're just screwed because you've got 12 guys sprinting, essentially, packed up together in one lane of a track. Everybody's trying to be in the perfect position. It gets very physical. I mean, yeah, their elbows are thrown. A lot of people think that the middle distance races like the mile um, are the most exciting to watch because they can be really physical. I remember watching this race, this specific race, and I was on the edge of my seat watching it. And, <laughs> and, and you, so you break four minutes. You do something that almost nobody has ever done on this planet. You break the mile in under four minutes. And walk me through, walk our listeners through where you finished in the race. Cause there were some studs that were also racing and breaking the yeah. four minute, you weren't the only one. No, I think I might have come in sixth in that race. I was leading at 1,200 to go, and then I think all these guys started blowing by me because I was That's tired. Nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> and, you and you four minutes in sixth. And you finished uh, 358, right? Yeah, 358.7. Um, I think the winner was 356. So wow. we were all right together. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, so does, does running wrap up there? At the University of Oregon, do you have a little bit more to go? What's now? No, I mean, go ahead. That, that was just the start because you run sub four and then you qualify for the NCAA championships. And then when you're at Oregon, you want to win the NCAA championships as a team. So you got to score points. Uh, unfortunately, I qualified for both the indoor and outdoor NCAA championships. 
uh, indoor, I got second team All-American, but I didn't um, make the final. So in track, they do trials and finals, like in swimming or a lot of sports. Um, I, I got knocked out during the trials because I was so nervous because like, all I'm thinking about is I got a score point for my team so we can win this team title. I've got Oregon on my chest. When you have Oregon on your chest, everybody seems to be looking at you and they hate you. The other other Pac-12 schools would call it duck hunting. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Right. So I, I choked, I kept cho- I choked at the indoor NCAA championships. I choked at the outdoor NCAA championships because nerves got the best of me. Um, and then my second year at Oregon, uh, I got injured and graduated, uh, finished my grad, grad program uh, with another, I broke the same bone in my foot that I broke at Dartmouth. Um, and I thought that might be the end. Um, I moved to San Francisco. I lived in like Mexico for a month. I looked for a job and um, I found this job in Mammoth Lakes that, um, that I, Mammoth Lakes also has a professional running team and the, the editor of the newspaper I, I started working out in Mammoth told me that I could come along and, and uh, he told me to talk to the track coach of this, of this professional group and the guy had heard of me from my Oregon days and so that I could come out and run with the team if I wanted. Uh, and so that's how I made the transition eventually to professional running. Um, basically, I ran with this team for a year uh, and just kind of took it pretty seriously, but was also working full time. But I had a really great year. I mean, I, I, I paid my own way to a couple races, ran faster than I ever ran at Oregon, actually qualified for the professional USA championships. So Timmy, let me jump in yeah. right there. Oh, please do. Um, so you went to Baja, Mexico, lived there for a couple of months, just kidding <laughs> it. And then you wanted to be, uh, you know, in charge of social media of a newspaper. The editor happened to know you from, or hear, heard of you from Oregon because of your sub four invited you to this track team, Mammoth Lakes. And for you listeners out there, uh, Timmy was explaining that Mammoth doesn't have a short distance. It's all long distance. Timmy's the only one running the mile. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and let me just make sure that I got this right. You took a year off. You went to Mexico. You came back. And now you're running faster than at Oregon? <laughs> what, yeah. What, what are you at now? Uh, I, I gained a second. So I ran a 340-1500, which is the international standard, which converts to like a 357 mile. Damn. Yeah. I'm going to go throw up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, Timmy, you could run two miles faster than I could run one mile. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so- you got a deal, partner. So what's going on now? Let's talk Tokyo. Yeah. Um, well, I had such a good first year at, at Mammoth Lakes. So the, my coach, Andrew Caster, um, just really had me figured out. I was training at 8,000 feet above sea level in Mammoth, training with some other professionals who really set the bar high. Um, and finished 12th at the USA, like I was talking about, the USA Championships uh, last year, and finished 
12th, I had to, I, I made the final, <laughs> which I could never do at the University of Oregon. But since I was running for myself, I was working a full-time job. I was sort of like, I didn't put as much pressure on myself. I enjoyed it more. And I, I just raced a lot better in the championship meets. Mm. Um, so finishing 12th was big for me. I got a, that's where I got my professional contract. I got sponsored by a Swiss company called on running. Thanks running shoes. Uh, so I was able to quit my job, just train full time. Um, this past indoor season, they had the indoor track USA championships. I finished eighth in the mile there. So I'm improving. Um, but to make the Olympics, you need to come in top three at the USA Championships. They call them the Olympic Trials in an in a Olympic year. And, and when, when is the next, yeah, when is the next one coming up where you'll be competing? I know the Olympics got bumped to 2021 because of the coronavirus, but what is our, what is your focus on right now? Yeah, I was all gearing up for this coming season, uh, the Olympic Trials, but obviously it all got canceled. Um, so it'll be, uh, next year, next June, the Olympic trials, which is probably good for me. It gives me a year to get a little faster. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally dude. That's, that's awesome. And your sponsor has been there every step of the way. No pun intended. They're helping you, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, um, they're, I don't have to buy my own shoes anymore. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's helpful. That's helpful. I know they get expensive and awesome. Yeah. I mean, We'll see. I, I got to get, I mean, it's so tough because not only do you have to be so good, but you got to be so lucky to make the Olympic trials or to make the Olympic team. I mean, you race, the trials will have three, two races just to get into the finals. And then from there, you've got to come in top three. I mean, you know, if you do it on the day, you get to wear USA on your chest. So man, what, a, what an experience that would be. Timmy, Timmy, it's so great. I mean, this story is awesome. You know, starting at CBA freshman year, being 30th out of freshmen, <laughs> grinding it out, 412 by your senior year, going to Dartmouth, injury, 401, then going to, you know, Eugene, Oregon, University of Oregon, breaking the four. Now you're running faster than ever and you're on your way. And, you know, just to, just to finish this up, I just want to say thank you so much for your time on the podcast. And, dude, we're, we're rooting for you every, every step of the way, pun intended. Team USA needs Timmy Gorman so badly in Tokyo. So ain't that right, Rick? It's absolutely right. We're going to be following along. I know our listeners are going to be following, watching the Timmy Gorman show over the next 12 months in preparation. So, Timmy, we're all with you. We're all rooting for you. And like Rob said, thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Keep uh, up the good training. And uh, for all the listeners out there, my name's Rick. And I'm Rob. And we're, and the, we're brothers the brothers Grant. Timmy, thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Ah, uh, dude, you man. Our pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Later, everybody. Later. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.